Good morning, New Hope. Thank you, thank you. Great to be with you. Well, the story goes like this. It was the height of the British colonialism, and an English traveler landed in Africa intent to get to the jungle as as fast as he could. So he hired some porters to to carry all his supplies, and off they went. And uh, the next day, it was a rough day of travel and a fitful night of sleep, and so he got up and wanted to keep going, tried to get his his, uh, porters uh, going with him, but they refused. He tried to cajole, to bribe, whatever he could do, but they weren't moving an inch. And when he asked them why, they answered that they were waiting for their souls to catch up with their bodies. You ever feel like that? I mean, something deep within an ache, a very real sense that we need to pause to be still, to rest and wait for our souls to catch up with our physical bodies that are always on the go. Something is terribly wrong in our day, but unlike the tribesmen, we rarely stop to wait for our souls to catch up. Psychologists and mental health professionals are talking about an epidemic of the modern world called hurry sickness. And the definition is this, a behavior characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness. Thomas Merton, the great spiritual father and contemplative writer, said, the rush and pressure of modern life is a pervasive form of contemporary violence. In other words, hurry is like violence to our souls. A.J. Swoboda said this, we have become perhaps the most emotionally exhausted, psychologically overworked, spiritually malnourished people in history. But there is hope, people, and there is a way in Jesus that he invites us to. What we've been talking about in this series, Finding Our True Selves, started in the first week with the gospel self, that we can die to ourselves, we can die to our false selves, And last week in the examined self that we can lean into more of what God calls our true selves as his beloved children. Today we continue in week three of the soul-filled self. And the soul is simply that place within where we take time and space to meet with God. And like the workers in our opening story, it would be good for us to stop and rest and let our souls catch up. Here's our big idea for the day. We follow the patterns and boundaries of Sabbath, silence, and solitude in order that we have the time and space in our souls for God's presence and transformation. Here is the scripture for today, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30. Follow along as I read. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So first of all, Jesus says, come to me. If you've grown up uh, or been around the church for a little bit of time, you've probably heard of, of the yoke as being this wooden 
um, frame that would go around a couple beasts of burden around their shoulders so they could carry the load of a plow or a cart or whatever burden and weight they were carrying. And, and this is true. Jesus is referring to this farm analogy of the yoke. But what you might not know is that every rabbi, Jesus was a rabbi, a teacher, had a yoke. And a yoke can also be a way of teaching. So when Jesus is saying, come to me, he's saying, come to my way of life. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Talking about this invitation to Jesus, the late Dallas Willard called the secret of the easy yoke. In this truth lies the secret of the easy yoke. The secret involves living as Jesus lived in the entirety of his life, adopting his overall lifestyle. Our mistake is to think that following Jesus consists of loving our enemies, going the second mile, turning the other cheek, while living the rest of our lives just as everyone else around us does. It's a strategy bound to fail. This is why many times the world can legitimately criticize Christians for being hypocrites. Because we're worried about a truth, but we're not spending that time in the presence of Jesus to be changed by him. Here's the secret of the easy yoke. If we want to experience the life of Jesus, we need to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. We want the blessings of Jesus. Man, it sounds good when he says, hey, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It sounds good to have that rest for our souls. But we often don't want to pick up the lifestyles, the spiritual habits that Jesus practiced and modeled for us. Pastor and author Eugene Peterson said it this way, the Jesus way wedded to the Jesus truth brings about the Jesus life. In the division of, of our world, in the division of the church today, we can put so much emphasis on the Jesus truth. What's the truth? And let's preach that and let's judge others in that. But we forget about the Jesus way, following him. His yoke, his way that he says, follow me. And so Eugene Peterson brilliantly says, if we want to have the Jesus life, it consists of the Jesus truth plus the Jesus way that leads to the Jesus life. Much of the sermon today is inspired by a phenomenal book by John Mark Comer called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Because the caffeinated nature of our world leads to a violence of our souls, we so desperately need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry. I love how he, he describes this invitation for Jesus saying, come to me. He says it's to step out of the burnout society to a life of soul rest. Step out of a burnout society to a life of soul rest. Doesn't that sound good? Jesus says, come to me and you will find rest because Jesus runs on a different rhythm than our burnout society. And so he invites us to come to him. Secondly, he invites, learn from me. Come to me, now learn from me. 
And we've said the main thing today is that we follow the patterns and the boundaries of Sabbath and silence and solitude in order that we can have time and space in our souls for God's presence and transformation. In order to have a truly soul-filled self, we not only need to come to Jesus to give him our allegiance and saying, I'm following you, Lord. There's no king like this. I'm following you. I'm coming to you. But we also need to learn from him and to pick up his ways and follow him and receive what we so desperately need. So I want to talk briefly about three spiritual habits, practices, spiritual exercises that Jesus did and he models for us. First of all is Sabbath. The word uh, Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, which literally means to stop. (laughs) Stop. Comer reminds us the Sabbath is simply a day to stop. Stop working. Stop wanting. Stop worrying. Just stop. A few years ago, uh, with one of my teenage kids, was learning to drive, and whether Aaron and I would be in the car with them individually or together, we'd be coming up on a stop sign. we go, stop, stop, stop. What is it? Stop. I think God feels that pain. (laughs) People, take one day a week and stop. Rest, pause, receive my life. I love how, um, well, in the beginning, God sets this example, right? In Genesis 2, what does he say? By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating he had done. And John Mark Comer does a great job of kind of making a joke of the excuses we make for not practicing Sabbath. He says, did you catch that? God rested. Yeah, but you know, I'm not really into Sabbath. I'm an extrovert. I like to keep busy. God rested. But my work is is a demanding job, so I just can't make the time because God rested. I've got a couple young kids at home. I'll, I'll do it later on. God rested. We so desperately need to follow suit and follow that example. Listen to this fantastic quote by H.H. Farmer. If you go Against the grain of the universe, you get splinters. And some of the splinters we get show up in our false selves. When we're striving on our own to compare, to impress, to keep up with the Joneses. Anyone suffering from splinters today? We're not made to go against the grain of the universe. We're not made to go against God's way, God's best for us. Because he wants to give us rest. And he wants to fill our souls with his presence. And in that, we find our true selves. But why do we fight this invitation so hard? It comes back to what we talked about a couple weeks ago. The the deep idol of our false selves comes in us trying to lean on what we have or what we do or how we impress others. And that's exhausting because it never ends. 
So God gives us this command because we need it once a week to stop, to rest, and instead to find delight in what he gives us. You are not, right, what you do. You are not what you have accomplished. You are not what others say about you. You are who you are at the core of your true self because you're my beloved child. And we can rest in that. Jesus tells us the Sabbath was not made for man. The Sabbath was made for man, not not man for the Sabbath. Sorry. You get the picture. See, the end goal is not to keep the rule. The end goal is to be in the presence of God and to receive his delight and receive his grace and receive his redefining of who we truly are. The yoke of Jesus is really a non-yoke because it's all on him. He's the vine, and if we are the branches and we remain in him, he will do it. What an invitation. The reason why we Sabbath, why we do spiritual disciplines is so we can experience the grace of God. And as we experience time with him, we are transformed more and more into his likeness. If you remember a couple weeks ago when we started this series, I said that um, knowing God and knowing self are interconnected. Because as we spend time getting to know God and being with him, we become changed. We become transformed more and more into our true selves. So there's Sabbath. Secondly, there's silence. In the book of Luke, there's at least nine mentions of Jesus getting away to a quiet place. Luke 5.16 says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And you can chart out uh, Jesus' busy schedule in the book of Luke. And the busier he gets, the more he is in demand, the more popular he becomes, the more he withdraws to the quiet place. Seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? In that way, we're not very good followers of Jesus, are we? Because the busier we get, the first thing to go is the quiet time, isn't it? Jesus is on to something. Jesus has a better way. In C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letters, he has the demons railing against silence as a danger to their cause. And what's their cause? It's the ruin of the Christian soul. The senior demon Screwtape calls the devil's realm a kingdom of noise and claims we will make the whole universe a noise in the end. In her book, An Invitation to Solitude and Silence, Ruth Haley Barton writes this. This willingness to see ourselves as we are and name it in God's presence is at the very heart of the spiritual journey. It is about becoming safe enough with God that we are no longer defending ourselves or hiding ourselves in his presence. That's powerful because the journey of the gospel self and the examined self and the soul-filled self is meant so that we don't have to spend time worrying about our ego and defending ourselves or in shame and fear hiding in the bushes like Adam and Eve. 
We don't have to do that. I had the blessing one time on a, on a silent retreat to, to take a little time and to honestly examine my false self and what was God saying about my true self. And here's what I wrote. I want to find rest for my soul and you alone. I'm tempted to trust in my false self again. As a leader who prides himself in his pastoral position, may I be found in confidence in you where you place me. And so I'm here, God, to let you love me beyond words and the quiet of my heart. Thank you for redeeming me and crowning me with your love and compassion. Thank you for tears today. You've unlocked some things in my heart. You've been answering some long-standing prayers. How can I not stand and give you praise? Here I am, fully loved, fully complete, as your beloved son. What peace, what perfect peace to be still, to cease striving, to sit in the holiness and perfect love of God. And then a second time on this retreat, I hear you, God, this is good. From you, my good Good Father, we desperately need times of prolonged silence in, the, in order to block out the noise of the enemy and the noise of the world and the noise of the lies of our false, fallen selves. And there we can receive the grace and the truth of who God is and who we are. Silence is a great gift. Thirdly, there's solitude. And solitude is, is very similar to the practice of silence, but it's simply when you're alone with God and with your own soul. In his classic work, The Celebration of Discipline, Richard Foster shares, loneliness is inner emptiness. Solitude is inner fulfillment. It's what we need. It's what fulfills us. But let's be honest, it sounds scary, doesn't it? We don't want to get away and be silent and have this time of solitude because we might be scared of what's really in there. We're pretty good at keeping busy and, and, and on the go. And I mean, look at what we got. I mean, we can binge watch anything on Netflix and we can scroll on our phones. We've become so good, we, we don't get bored. We forgot what it is to be human. But God wants to fill that space with him in what truly fulfills us. And while solitude can be daunting, it's really not that hard we can take little, little times to practice. Take 15 minutes at lunch and just have a prayer of silence, just to be in the presence of God, just to be silent. That's a challenge at first, right? If we're going, going, going. Uh, we're not driving back and forth as the preacher, so don't get nervous today when I'm out in the lobby. Don't you got to get going somewhere? We're having two preachers on a Sunday now, and but I kind of miss my windshield time with Jesus when I would drive back and forth. I, don't get me wrong. I like talking to you, but I missed my windshield time with Jesus. I, I live on this lake. I work on this lake. I don't drive a long way. 
But that's a great practice, windshield time with Jesus. If you're commuting, take some time to turn off the radio, to turn off the noise and meditate on a simple verse and just enjoy that time with your heavenly Father. Once you practice those little things, then you can get away for a little time. The Wilderness Prayer Fellowships, about an hour away in Wisconsin, in Frederick, Wisconsin, is an awesome place to get a cabin and spend a 24-hour solitude retreat with God. We resist this and we make excuses, but God wants to blow us away when we carve out that time with him. I'll never forget, and I've probably told this story, but a few years ago, I was on my way to Covenant Pines for a weekend for a a silent and solitude retreat. About a month before that, God had spoken a word, and the word was get out. And I knew what it meant. It was for my brother. He had recently come back to Jesus after 20 years of being far from Jesus, but he was still in a pagan house of worship, in a dark place of new age uh, beliefs, practices. And that word, get out, and I'm an encourager, so when I hear a word, I want to tell you. But my wife says, John, sometimes you just pray about it, okay? And I did. I knew that it was right to pray about it, and I said, God, confirm this my brother. And so a month later, I'm on, on my way to the silent solitude retreat, and my brother calls me. And he tells me that he's been going to a Southern Baptist church for a month. It's a miracle. And I told him that word. I said, God has confirmed it this day. And he was blessed by that. And as I spent that weekend, I marveled at, God, look what you just did. It's not because of my obedience of going away, but you did this miracle. While I set this time aside to be with you. In our uh, Daniel Fast devotional, I hope you've been reading. Uh, If you haven't, there's some out there still. Keith Plassance, in his devotional, he said, It melts God's butter to provide for us. I love that. God delights in you. He longs to be in your presence. And he invites us to come and to get away. What are those areas in life where you can begin some of these practices of Sabbath, of silence, of solitude, Where is it that you can find rest for your souls and time with Jesus? On Fridays, on my day off in the winter, you can find me in my outdoor sanctuary on the lake where I have a little ice rink, and I've made a homemade Zamboni this winter, and uh, my father-in-law, Jerry, was saying last night, maybe for the Daniel fast next year, you need to fast from doing your Zamboni but I love being out there and being in God's presence and getting away with him, praying for others and working on my idol of my ice rink. But where is that place? Carve out little times of Sabbath, silence, solitude. 
Maybe you want to go out to the prayer cabin this week. You probably have to snowshoe or cross-country ski out there, but if you email us or call us at the office and want to come out for an hour or two, we'll heat up the cabin for you. Get away with Jesus because he's crazy about you. And he wants you to discover more and more your true self and let go of that false self. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that there's no king like you. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you today that we can come into this place, that we can worship you, that we can seek you, we can find you. And so we hear your words to come to you, Jesus. Help us come to you and to learn from you and to receive your easy yoke, your, your light burden. Father God, show us the ways that we can find some of these ways to come out of the burnout society and to find a life of soulful rest. Let us hear you, follow you, and love you, and worship you, and adore you, and we'll give you all the thanks and the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.